You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcasts. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows TRIO programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former TRIO staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with TRIO. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Amelia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have Danielle Pacheco, who is an alum of the Trio Student Support Services Program at Ames Community College. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, Dr. Ryan Barone, Dr. Jamie Motley, Felicia Rivera, Angelica Valdez, Nosotros Education Center, Jaded Electronics, and Student Access. Thank you so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the podcast. Head on over to Patreon and search for Let's Talk Trio. Choose one of four patron levels. You can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you would like to nominate a participant, staff, or alumni to be on the podcast, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is l-e-t-s-t-a-l-k-t-r-i-o at gmail.com. Again, a great episode featuring Daniel Pacheco, Trio alum, Student Support Services at Ames Community College. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In five, four, three, two, one. Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is a graduate of Ames Community College with an Associate of Arts. Also graduated with the uni- from the University of Colorado in Boulder with a Bachelor's of Arts and the University of Northern Colorado with a Master of Arts. Our guest is a Trio alum from Ames Community College. She has served as an advisor for the University of Northern Colorado, a grant coordinator and scholarship specialist at Colorado State University, and currently serves as a resident director for the University of California in Los Angeles. Her hobbies and interests include trying out new restaurants, indoor rock climbing, uh, going to the beach, and hanging out with her dogs. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle Pacheco. Hi, Danielle. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and be in the space virtually. It's really good to see you again. And good it's to Friday. See you too. Can't complain. Yes. So it's a great day. Thank you. It is a weekend and it's wonderful to be here <laughs> with you. Uh, how are things in Los Angeles? 
They are great. I felt my first earthquake like oh, really? two days ago. Like the whole time I've been living here for like a year and a half, I never felt one. Uh-huh. And it happened like at two in the morning. So I woke up. Oh, wow. I was like, what is going on in my closet? Because I heard things moving and my bed was moving a little bit. And uh-huh. even my dog looked at me like, what's going on here? <laughs> oh, and no. I was like, what is this? And I immediately, for whatever reason, half asleep, thought that my closet was haunted. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I need to think like logically here. I yeah. was like, oh, earthquake, and I was like, yeah. let me look it up. And sure enough, there was one like 15 miles from me in Malibu, like oh wow, three minutes ago. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's what they feel like. <laughs> so LA has been great, and that's now awesome. I feel like a true Angelino because I felt my first earthquake. But there you go. It's good. It's nice to be in the sunny weather and close to the beach. That's awesome. I think the the more time you spend in Los Angeles uh, or in California, period, uh, you're going to experience those tremors, the the earthquakes. <laughs> but they're going to be like you're you're not going to be impressed with a five point three. You're going to be more impressed like with a seven or an eight. Uh, that's what yeah. I've been told anyway. I don't want to be impressed by earthquakes by any means. <laughs> like I'll take the fours and three. <laughs> like the fives True. and plus can stay somewhere else, not here. <laughs> But yeah, it was an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So for the audience, Danielle and I were colleagues at Colorado State University. We both serve student achievement. Danielle, moving to California is a huge shift. Uh, What are you liking most about California? And do you miss Colorado at all? Yeah, so yeah, I've been here about a year and a half. And I technically live in West L.A., Um, And I feel like it's a really great area because it's like 15 minutes from everything. Like it's 15 minutes from LAX, Venice, Santa Monica, Hollywood on a good day with no traffic. It's 15 minutes from Westwood where UCLA is located. Mm -hmm. So I really do like that area because there's a lot to see and do. But I think living by the beach is probably my favorite thing because living in New Mexico and Colorado, like... I never really saw the beach unless it was a vacation. (laughs) I think that might be my favorite thing, even though I don't go all the time, but it's nice to know it's close. Um, But of course, I miss family and friends in Colorado and just being able to like drive with no traffic and not have to like think about how you're going to get there. Like right now, if I was like, I'm going to go dinner, like to dinner downtown or something, Uh I would have to map it out. Like how long is it (laughs) going to get there? Where am I going to park? Because there's not a lot of places that offer parking. Mm-hmm. You're like having to struggle to find the parking. And do I have to make a reservation? So I feel like it takes a lot of time to like prepare and plan just to go like anywhere sometimes. And I think I miss that about Colorado that you could just like go most places at any time and not have to worry about those things. So I do miss that and the mountains. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's some mountains there in California as well that you get to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I went to Lake Arrowhead last weekend. Yeah. And that was like my first time in the mountains in California. So it was really cool. Awesome. And I and I have to put a disclaimer. So I'm wearing my Colorado Rockies hat. I typically don't on a podcast. I usually have my CSU hat on. So uh-huh. this was not intentional. Uh, I promise, Danielle. It was not intentional. <laughs> I actually like the Rockies. I think okay, the Dodgers great. are growing a little bit on me just because I see them everywhere. But um, I do like the Rockies. So you're right good. On. <laughs> See, I, I only recently became a fan of the Rockies. I used to be a huge fan of the Dodgers. And oh my gosh. being in Colorado, <laughs> it, it, I, they've, Colorado Rockies, they've grown on me and I've had to leave, I had to leave the Dodgers. But I'm so glad the Dodgers are kind of also growing on you. I guess it's, yeah. it, it, 
when you're part of a place like it, they, the team kind of grows on you. Yeah, you're right. Cause you see people wearing this stuff everywhere. I went to a Dodgers game like in the summer. So that was cool. Oh, right on. Yeah. Go Rockies, go Dodgers, everyone. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, uh, UCLA spring semester must be in full swing by now, right? Actually, um, UCLA operates off the quarter system. Oh, really? So we have fall quarter, winter quarter, and spring quarter. So right now, technically, it is winter quarter. And I think we're in week three right now. And there's about 10 weeks in each quarter. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting to transition from semesters my whole life into the quarter system. I was like, what is this? Because I have no idea what this is. So yeah, sorry, I misspoke because it's actually fall, winter, spring, and summer. Um, mm -hmm. So there's four, but yeah, so it's winter quarter over here and it's going well. Things are like, you know, moving along people like students have their exams and a lot of events happening. So it's been really great. Wow. Amazing. Um, were you able to take some time off before this, this uh, new quarter started for you? Yeah, I was able to take some time off. Um, the way UCLA operates with staff taking time off is different and interesting from any other university that I've worked for. Mm -hmm. It definitely has its pros and cons. I'll say that, but um, I was able to take some time off. So I actually went back to Colorado for the holidays to hang out. Oh, with right on. <laughs> yeah, you were here so... and I didn't get to see you. I'm sorry. I know. Sad. We're going to have to change that. For next yes, time. <laughs> absolutely. You got to link up but... and uh, have uh, lunch or dinner. That would be great. Yeah, that would be great. It would be great to see you again. But yeah, it was cool to hang out with my family. And I was there when it was so cold. It was like negative. Oh, my gosh. Or something. And I was like, what is this? I definitely <laughs> don't miss this. Part of it, <laughs> I will say so I am from California. And uh, okay. being from there, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify, I was born partially raised in California. And then uh, my parents decided to move to New Mexico. But uh, while in, in California, I really adapted to the weather. And yeah. coming out to Colorado, I, like, look at me, I'm still wearing a jacket. It's nice and warm in my apartment, <laughs> but I'm still wearing a jacket because I feel like it's still cold outside. Yeah. So yeah, California never really left my, never really left me. I feel the same way about Colorado. Cause sometimes I'm walking around in like shorts and like a normal, like hoodie. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, what is wrong with this person? <laughs> they're like bundled up. And I'm like, I think I'm used to this. <laughs> this is nothing. <laughs> yeah. You're like walking around like, this is, this is good. This is what, this is yeah. nice weather. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talk to us about your interest in hobbies. Uh, what, what, how were you introduced to them? And was that something that grew on you or you immediately clicked on them with? Yeah. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so the rock climbing is like indoor rock climbing is fairly new. It's something mm -hmm. that like, you know, as a kid, sometimes you'll see like indoor rock climbing, you go do it and it's kind of fun. But yeah. I always was like, I am actually kind of good at this. And I vividly remember like in high school after like after prom and those whole things, I would like go up the whole wall, like in flip flops. And oh, wow, really? like super fast. And I was like, I think I'm kind of good at this. So that one's something that I'm slowly bringing back. Um but yeah, hanging out with my dog is great because that's really like the only family I have out here. Because when yeah. I moved out here, it was like I packed all my things, got in my car, drove out here with my dog. So <laughs> so I love hanging out with him, going to different like dog parks and just going to different places around here. Um, and other than that, um, there's like tons of really great restaurants out here and mm -hmm. like breweries and just places to see. 
like I have this huge list of places that I have gone so I don't forget the names and the places that I need to go. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that I like is that you could probably go to like a new place every single day here and you would like 50 years later, you probably still want to be done. Oh, wow. So many places. It's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. That's odd. That's awesome. Are there any post COVID things that you miss doing that have found your, their way into your routine again? Um, <laughs> let's see. So I think, um, I think when COVID, like we were in the thick of it, I just missed being able to go out and just do anything at any given time and not Mm -hmm. having to like think so much about like the health and like safety aspects of it. So I think like slowly getting back out and doing things is something that I do appreciate. I think also because here in LA, it's such a huge city. I think there's almost 4 million people here and Mm -hmm. there's almost 9 million in LA County. Oh wow! So sometimes it's easy to just be like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here. Like I'm good here. Like don't want to go out, deal with traffic, deal with people, whatever. Um, but slowly I'm branching out again to be able to like go see things and experience things. Um, so I think that's something I'm slowly bringing back because I don't want to just be stuck like here in LA and that's all I know. I think I need to get out and just see more. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and you have a dog. Can you talk to us about your dog, uh, doggy's name? Yeah, my dog is named Samson. I actually got him at a shelter in Aurora, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they didn't know like what kind of breed he was when he got there, like him and his siblings. So they thought he was going to be a Chihuahua. And I was mm-hmm. like, yay, because I wanted a small dog. Yeah. And then he like got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh, he's definitely not Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a dog DNA test on him. Uh-huh. And then it said that he was like a mix of things like Pitbull, Doberman Pinscher, oh, wow. Carrier, and like a couple other things. But he's really great. He's a good dog and he just loves hanging out, sleeping. He sleeps like a child and it's so funny. <laughs> so I have so many pictures of him where I just like tuck him in and he's just sleeping there like with the blanket. It's so funny. But Aww. he's a good dog. I really like him. <laughs> right on. Is he the only pet you have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, talk to us about your transition uh, back to campus work. Uh, wh- well, first, was there a transition and was it mostly virtual at, at UCLA for a while or did you do a lot of on-site stuff? At first last year, I think they were slowly getting back into like how to operate with COVID. So most of it was like remote for the first like maybe half of the year. And then slowly they started kind of being in person more. But um I think I actually like hybrid working spaces better. Mm-hmm. Like when before all of COVID happened, I was like, yes, of course. I love going into an office and hanging out and talking to people. But then now that like I've had the time to actually just be home, I feel like I get a lot of time back to myself. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about walking here and there, driving, right. worrying about all these other things. You can literally just attend so many meetings at home. Um, so I do like the hybrid approach to things. Like when I have to be in person, sure, great, I'll do it. And also working at the university apartments, I do live like maybe like 20-ish, 15, 20 minutes away from campus. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of different too, because I don't feel like I'm like stuck on campus. I feel like I actually live kind of like in the city a little bit. Um, so yeah, I do enjoy like the hybrid working environments. 
if that makes awesome. sense. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, as a follow-up, can you tell the audience, what is it that you do at UCLA? Yeah, so I'm a resident director for residential life. Um, and so a lot of my job is supervising our apartment resident assistants. I also supervise the University Apartment South Resident Association, which is comprised of, I think I want to say like 25 residents who live in the University Apartment South area and their residents who are like working for residents and making sure that all the needs are being met. They do a lot of programming. So it's really cool. And then another big piece of my job is working on call on it, like on call rotation and responding to crisis situations. Right on. I think that sounds like a very important position to be at with UCLA because being on call, that's uh, that's something that's outside of usually work hours, right? Yes, it is. When I'm on call, it's like a week at a time and I'm on call like 24 seven for the entire week. So at any mm-hmm. given time, I could potentially get a call about like a crisis situation and crisis situations could be anything where University of California Police Department is involved. Los Angeles, mm. like Los Angeles County Police Department as well, or the fire department as well. So there's like a couple like different things that can happen, mental health as well. So it can be a lot um, of like random, just different calls that you get, but you just got to be like ready. So yeah, it can be a lot. Right yeah. Uh, what was something that you learned about yourself during the COVID quarantine times? I know that during this time, like people were learning about how to make bread, crocheting, uh, picking up new hobbies. For me, it was like right at the cusp of like, I had just learned how to do podcasting. So podcasting became a thing. Oh, awesome. What about for you? That's really cool. Um, I think I just really enjoyed being alone. Being alone. Because... <laughs> yeah. Talk to us about that. Because I'm like, in like social settings, I think I'm more of like an extrovert. Mm -hmm. But like any other time, I'm an introvert. Like I just want to be home. Like don't bother me. I think (laughs) when you're out and about, it's like fun. Yeah, (laughs) it's fun to talk to people when you're out and about and meet people. Certainly. But other than that, I'm like, nope, don't bother me. I'll sit there and watch TV all day, like, and I'll be happy doing absolutely nothing, like, with no one. So I think that really confirmed for me that I am a true introvert at heart because I could be alone Mm -hmm. the entire time and be, like, perfectly fine, so... Absolutely. I I think I relate to you in that level, too. I I feel like being alone is right where I want to be. It's it's my comfort zone. When I have to present as an extrovert, I can absolutely pull it off sometimes, Uh, but I feel, I feel more comfortable alone. So yeah, I, I totally, totally feel you on that one. <laughs> uh, so we're going to rewind the clock a little bit, and this is this part of the segment of the podcast where we talk about your upbringing. Uh, can you talk to us about what was that like for you? And, uh, yeah, uh, talk to us a little bit about your family. Yeah. So, um, my family is wonderful and great. I feel like I owe them everything, but yeah, so I have my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And they're really great examples in a lot of different ways. They've been like married for like 30 something years now, maybe almost like 40, I think maybe coming up soon. Congratulations to them. Right. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have um, three sisters Mm -hmm. and I actually have a twin sister. So that no way you have a twin sister. Yeah. I didn't know this about you. you Yeah. (laughs) So if you see another me in Colorado, it I'm, might not be me. I'm going to be cautious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to if be I act like cautious. I don't know you, it's not me. It's her. 
I can see how like so easily how you can get away with this, Danielle. Like you could I literally know. be here in Colorado, act like mm-hmm. you don't know me, and then we talk again, and then you're like, ah, I don't, I don't ever oh. remember my sister mentioning that she ran into you. Like I could see that. <laughs> Actually, that's happened before. Where oh, people really? Are like, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. And I'm like. I don't know this person and then I'm like <laughs> no yeah and I'm like um do you and then I'll like ask them something I'm like oh no that's my sister yeah and it's so funny but yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> but having a twin growing up was great I think it was really cool to always have like kind of like a built-in friend since like day one and someone mm-hmm. that you could just hang out with all the time but my upbringing was really great I'm really like happy and thankful and grateful for everything that my parents and family like did for me. Right on. Uh, did your family place a lot of importance uh, or priority on education? They did. Ever since I could remember, they always said, like, you have to go to college. Like, you mm-hmm. don't know if like in their heads, it was like an option. And I was like, okay. And I think that was just the plan that I was just always going to go, which was fine because that was something that I also wanted to. I'm pretty sure if I was like wanting to go a different route and I talked to them, they would have been okay with it mm-hmm. but it was something that I wanted too so I was just like all right um but I think it was interesting because that was always the conversation mm-hmm. but the missing piece was well how am I going to pay for it like financially because mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. like yes there's this expectation of me but I also don't even know what I'm doing mm. <laughs> so like how am I supposed to pay for this right because <laughs> that can be overwhelming to think about right like college yeah. expenses and and all of that so uh mm-hmm. I know we're going to cover that here in a little bit but uh for you during el- your ent- elementary school years uh was it something that you like education just kind of clicked for you or was was education something that eventually grew on you yeah talk to us a little bit about your elementary experience um yeah when I was younger like elementary middle school high school I really liked school I liked being there learning new things, hanging out with friends. So I don't think there was ever a point that I didn't really like school until I got older, mm-hmm. um, like in college. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, when I was younger, I really enjoyed it. It was really cool just to like learn things. And I think I really just liked that. It was being around people like my mm-hmm. age. And it kind of felt like you were just hanging out with your friends all day, but you were learning too. So I yeah. really liked school when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Were there any subjects or teachers that became like instant favorites for you? Yeah, I'll never forget um, my first and second grade teacher. I had her for two years, which was mm-hmm. really cool. Miss um, Foster. Miss Foster. And, yeah, she was teaching at um, Madison Elementary in Greeley. Mm-hmm. And she was really great. I really loved her. And she taught for like many years when I think like recently retired. She's someone that I'll never forget. And also... So half of the time I spent going to school in Colorado and then the other half in New Mexico for elementary school. And there was Mm -hmm. one teacher, Miss Romero, and our principal, Mr. Gutierrez. I'll never forget him. They were great. What was it about them that makes them stand out in your mind? I think because they really cared, even though like we're young kids and kids can be like a lot. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you could tell that even through all like the stress probably that they were going through and all the things that they had to do that they really did care about like what we were learning and that we were doing the right thing and making good choices. So I liked that about them. Right on. Was there something while you were little that you were very obsessed with? Um, I really 
liked okay so my grandparents have like a ranch in New Mexico uh-huh. and I think I was really like obsessed with going and hanging out there all the time so it'd be really? like my dad would go and do things at the ranch like with the family mm-hmm. but he would take like me and my sisters along and it was just really fun I think yeah. because you know when you're a kid you can make little random adventures out of anything and make things up and it was just fun to like hang out and be outside and I think that's one thing Maybe a lot of kids don't do these days. <laughs> they don't hang out outside. <laughs> and I'm like, there is so much to see and do. Of course, there's so much to see and do, like, technology-wise. But I'm like, but you got to get out there. <laughs> yeah. You got to see it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's important to be outside and experiencing nature, too. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, were there any other things that you were into while you were little? Um, I think, like, toys. I really love, you know, um the easy bake ovens I do remember easy bake yeah and I'm Mm. like why were we even allowed to eat whatever (laughs) they gave us (laughs) it's amazing we're still here (laughs) life observations with Danielle Pacheco everyone uh she I know I saw this funny meme the other day that said that was like the original air fryer or something and I was cracking up because I'm like it was (laughs) it It was a little light bulb cooking the entire thing yeah, I think when I was like little, little, just like pretending that I was like in a kitchen making things and stuff was just so fun because, yeah. which is pretty ironic because I'm not that person today. You won't really find me in the kitchen. <laughs> oh man. Um, so elementary sounds like it was a very fun, uh, very, uh, yeah. a good learning experience for you. What about middle school? What was that like for you? Did any of your interests carry over into middle school? Well, middle school is an interesting time because, okay, so my parents had moved from New Mexico back to Colorado Mm -hmm. and it was like right during that summer of like when you go to middle school and my parents were like, um, their house was being built. So I had to go to Heath Middle School in Greeley Mm -hmm. and it was a complete like night and day difference for me. Like the demographic of students and just people in Colorado were so different. And it was noticeable. And I was like really shy and didn't like talk to a lot of people then. So I felt like it wasn't a good experience there. And my grades were really bad, like really bad. I think I was Mm -hmm. like almost failing like a lot of my classes. Mm -hmm. And um, second semester came around and we moved to Franklin Middle School. And then it was like night and day. It was like I was doing so much better. And I had Mm -hmm. friends like from my previous elementary and then um my cousins and stuff that went there too and then my grades were like I remember getting my report card and it was like all A's except for one B and I was like it's interesting that the environment like had that big of an effect on like I guess what I was doing in school but yeah yeah so middle school was interesting because then after I changed then it was so much better it was like a really good fit so middle school is interesting very interesting. So it almost like a 180 uh, de- degree change of like not doing yeah. so well at first and then suddenly changing and just like doing very, very well. Uh, what do you attribute yeah. that to? Um, I <laughs> I don't know. I think like the some of the like fellow kids that went to school with me, some of them were just like weird and rude. And I was just like, what is this place? Because I was used to like New Mexico and people being really polite and like 
humble living. And I feel like it's a slower pace way of life where over here was like fast paced. People are doing this and that. And it just felt like I was out of place. Mm-hmm. And then I think I just felt a little bit better when I went to Franklin because it just seemed like a better fit, but maybe it was like the students, maybe it was the teachers too. Cause they were also interesting. Right on. Who were some of your heroes growing up? Um, I would definitely say I always looked up to my parents because they worked really hard and made all these changes and everything for my sisters and I. So definitely them. Also my two older sisters, because learning a lot from them was great, like in terms of just life in general um, or school and stuff like that. So definitely I would say like my family and my twin sister. But aside from them, um, Growing up, I think I really just appreciated, like, mostly family, I would say. Like, even my grandma, she did, like, a lot and built, like, all the things that she had. Like, she did it on her own. So, and my grandparents, too. And it was a different way of life back then, too. Mm -hmm. And so, I think I just appreciated that they could work with so little and just build these amazing things. And I think I really just appreciated that. So, probably mostly family, if I'm being honest. Right on. Uh, what is something that you learned about yourself at this point of your educational journey? That I wasted a lot of time and a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> if I could go back, things would look so, so different. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that I've learned is that I think it just had to be that way. Because if it would have been any way else, I don't think I would have had the same experiences and opportunities that I do now. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I wish like, oh, I wish I would have known what I wanted to do, like right out of high school. So I could have finished undergrad, went to get my master's right away and then be good. But yeah. I think it just had to happen this way. And, you know, everyone's on their own path. And I think sometimes society makes you feel like you have to like do this, do that, and then you're good. But it's like, no, it's different for everyone. And when you find what you really want to do, I think that's what matters. So I think if I learned anything, it's like this is my own path and I'm on my own timeline and I just can't compare myself to others because what I'm doing is like for me at the right time. Absolutely. I think that's important to note, right? For students that are thinking about going into college, that pressure of like, you have to get a degree Mm -hmm. done in four years, or you have to follow a certain path that everybody's path looks different. And I think that's, that's what missing, I think in academia is to try to emphasize that point. Like you don't have to follow this for your track. Yeah, I definitely took my time in undergrad. I think I took like six years um, oh, yeah? because I just like was already on the five-year track because I always only took 12 credits. Mm-hmm. Then I transferred to Boulder. So I lost some credits, failed some classes. Like I just probably did it all. And then, yeah, so it took me a while, but always when people are like wanting to try to fit in four years, I'm like, but that's not normal for everyone. Some people yeah. can, they can do it, but some people have to work and have other things going on. So it's a bit different. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, Let's talk about your transition to high school. What was that like for you? That was great. Um, I was really involved like in clubs in high school. Definitely not a sports person. Tried it out in middle school, realized real quick, that's not for me. So um, clubs was my thing. Like, I just love being part of a lot of stuff. And I think at a young age, even like in elementary school I was like treasurer of the school for like a couple years and even in middle school like took on some leadership positions so that's always Mm -hmm. something I really appreciated and I took a lot of AP classes in 
high school, which was interesting because I think I just took them for fun. Like I took AP Spanish. I don't even know Spanish fluently, but <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. I learned a lot. Yeah. But I liked I liked high school. I still have like a lot of friends from high school that I still talk to and it was a great time. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned some of the things that you were involved with. Were there other things uh, while in high school that you had to branch out to get involved with, like something that you may maybe was out of the norm for you? Um, not really that I can think of too much. Not really. Okay. I think most of the things I was involved with was mostly at school, and it kept me busy because I was okay. working part time, involved in all these cla- like classes and like the different like programs and stuff. So yeah, it kept me busy. Right on. Were you thinking about colleges at this point? Yes. And I had already made the decision that I was going to Ames and I was also involved in the dream team mm. at Northridge high school. What is the and dream it team? It's like, it like, I will definitely misspeak if I try to explain, but it felt like a high school trio. If oh, I really? could put it in any way. And yeah. it was like, and I feel like it still exists today. They might have changed the name because I was like a long time ago. But um, yeah, it felt like a great support system. So they would chat with us and ask us like what we wanted to do, if we needed help with applications, anything like that. I think I even got a scholarship from them. My twin sister and I both did actually. And that was wow. really helpful because I was paying for my college. So when I mm-hmm. the reason why I decided to go to Ames is because I was paying for it on my own. So I was like, why not go and get like my general classes done at a cheaper rate at a smaller school? And so that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Right on. That's awesome. Um, So you said you immediately thought of Ames, like that's one of the colleges you really want to attend. What was the inspiration behind that? Like what uh, motivated you to say, you know what, I'm going to Ames Community College first? I think because I had always like driven past Ames before, like living and growing up in Greeley. And it just seemed like a good fit. Like, to be honest, I think I was still kind of like shy and reserved back in those days. And so going to a smaller school just felt right. I think Mm -hmm. if I would have went to UNC or another four-year college, I would have just felt out of place. So I think going somewhere that was smaller, um, smaller class sizes felt like a better fit. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, ultimately why. And it a big piece of it was the financial piece, you know, if I'm being completely honest, but I think it just felt like a better fit being at a smaller school. Right on. Um, Was this something that you shared with your family or your high school counselors that you wanted to go to Ames Community College? Yeah, I had told like anyone who had asked me that that's where I was going to go. And Mm -hmm. my parents too, I had just told them that that's what I was going to end up doing. And the plan was to just go there for two years, get my associates and then transfer to a four-year degree. So yeah, that was like the plan from day one. Also, I think because my two older sisters had went to UNC and they were doing well, but I think they had maybe got a little bit more scholarships or something. And so maybe they could afford it to go right away, but I was like, I'm not trying to do that right now. So yeah. Were there other colleges that were also uh, making your list or was Ames kind of like your number one only school? Yeah, it was just Ames. Like I wasn't even thinking about anything else. It was like, that's just the plan and I'm going to do it. 
Was there a, and I have to ask, was there a dream college, like a, a college beyond Ames that you were like, I would really like to go there, but I know that you were already, your heart was already set on Ames, <laughs> but was there a, 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 a different college, maybe out of state that you were thinking about? I don't know if out of state, I think out of state for whatever reason, always felt like something that wasn't attainable at the time, mostly mm-hmm. because of money. And so I think I just didn't even think about it because I was trying to be realistic a dream school at that time might have been like Boulder or like somewhere in Denver, like Metro or something or UNC. Okay. But I think I was like not even in that mindset of like trying to leave my family and go elsewhere. It was more like I'm just going to stay local. So maybe if it was a dream school, maybe like CU or UNC or something. <laughs> right on. Right on. Um, what did you do to start doing in high school to prepare for college? Um, yeah, so I took a lot of AP classes, acknowledging that not everyone can take them. And there's that financial piece there as well. I paid for like all of those classes on my own because I worked part time throughout high school ever since I was like a sophomore, I think I started working. Um, but yeah, taking AP classes, being involved in all of the different clubs and organizations that I was telling you about. And mm-hmm. I think just creating um, like long lasting and meaningful connections with my teachers. Like there are some to this day that I'll like forever love, like Mr. Eckern at Northridge. I think he still teaches there. Yeah, he does because my cousin's son goes there and like, which is also my cousin. I don't know how that works, (laughs) but like, yeah, he still teaches there. And I'm just like, there's those people that you'll just never forget. But, um, yeah. I think I'm stuck on, I think they would be your second cousin. No? I know. What is it? Is it sub cousin? I, I should just say cousin. Cause then I can use myself. <laughs> I can of your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I just did all those different things to try to like make a difference and make myself seem well-rounded on a resume because right on. Yeah. competing against, you know, thousands of students who are trying to go to school too. So absolutely trying to stand out. So in high school, you, you had mentioned that you were very, very busy um talk, walk us through like a, what what did a one day of a week or the whole week look like for you yeah let's see so, <laughs> so um let me think here so like say for example it was like my sophomore year or something mm-hmm. right so I would go to school in the morning and maybe have like sometimes we had student government meetings like super early even before school started uh-huh. And it's amazing I made it to those because now I'm like, how did I ever get up so early? Because <laughs> these days I'm all about sleeping in. But Same. yeah, sometimes there would be like really early meetings before school. Then obviously you would have school. And then um, Winograd Elementary is right next to Northridge. So that's where I did like the big brother, big sister program. So it was mm-hmm. easy to walk over there, help out a couple students and then come back. And at a certain time, I was a wrestling manager for the wrestling team there oh, wow. that year because wow. they because you oh, were managing them. Exactly. <laughs> I was managing. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. So I would stay after for the, like after school for that. But then other days I would have to work at like this restaurant I was working at. So it was just like a lot. Like mm-hmm. it just seemed like each day was different because some days I would have to manage Maybe other days it was working after school. Then there was different meetings during lunch and things like that. So it could look different each day. Mm-hmm. But I think I enjoyed staying busy back then. Yeah. Now, a lot of high school students at this point take up summer jobs or they end up working for the entire year. Uh, you said you had a job. Talk to us about that. What was that experience like for you? 
Yeah, I think um, at a young age, I just realized that if I wanted to go like shopping and do all these things that I couldn't just rely on my parents to like buy all of those things for me, you know, because there's bills and things to pay. So I think I just kind of took that responsibility on as like a young person to like start working when I could. So as soon as I could start working, I did. And then I was working probably like five days a week. So it was like a lot, but I think it really helped me understand like who I was as a worker, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. there's responsibilities and things along with that. And I think it was just like a fun time because it felt like being, yeah, like just hanging out with friends. It didn't really feel like work because I was working at a restaurant. Um, But yeah, I think it was easy to manage too. It also takes, you know, self-discipline and being responsible too, but it was easy to manage, I think, personally, going to school, working, doing all those things. So it sounded like you were super busy, like Monday through Sunday, it sounds like. How did you balance all of that, all of those demands on you? Um, I don't know. I think I just... I think that's the appropriate answer too. I... <laughs> <laughs> right, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> um, I think um, for me, like each day I just see like what is on my schedule. And I, I'm the type of person where like I like to mark things off because it makes me feel like I'm accomplishing things. So, you know, if I look at my day and I'm like, oh, school, check Mm -hmm. that off, meetings, check it off and then work. So I think it's just like making sure that when I'm waking up each day, it was like the mindset, I think, of going into that day. Because instead of being like, oh my gosh, I have all these meetings and I have to work after school. It's like, I have all these meetings, I have to work after school and that's exactly what's going to happen, you know? So maybe it was just like the mindset that I had back then to make sure that I needed to get these things done. Wow. So you have the very determined mindset, it sounds like. Yeah. Sometimes I almost feel like, wow, high school Danielle was more mature than current Danielle. <laughs> I, don't know I, think as... I don't know why. <laughs> I think as we get older, right? Get uh, it together. Yeah. Well, get it together. Or or here's here's what I learned when I came to Colorado State University. Uh shout out to LaToya, um, who uh, is over at CSU. Yes. Uh she helped me realize that. Yes, our work is important. We place a lot of value in our work. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, does it matter when you bring it home? And like, you leave it, you usually leave work at work. And when yeah. you're coming home, you're like, now it's time to be me. It's time It's time exactly. for me to, you know, if I feel I'm feeling lazy, I'm going to go lay down for a little while, you know? So yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you're right. Um, talk to us about your graduation day. What was that like for you? And yeah, what? family response what was what, what was going on that day for you um the high school graduation that was um it was a great time I felt like a little sad I think because you go through your whole life but like the expectations that you go to elementary middle school then you're in high school and then you finish and it's like wow I actually have to be an adult and like make my own decisions now so I was like a little sad because I knew that I probably wouldn't hang out with some of those people again. And we all wouldn't be like in the same space like that probably ever again. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel like I had to grow up a little bit, if that makes sense. Cause now oh, I wasn't totally. like in high school anymore. Now I'm like graduated. So, but it was a great moment, I think to walk across the stage, get my diploma. Cause it felt nice to know that finally I was done and I was moving on to like fun things. So it Absolutely. was a really good day. 
Right on. Uh, for many high school graduates at that point, uh, many immediately roll into a four-year college. Your path looked a little different. Uh, talk to us about your decision process to, uh, one, attend Ames uh, and the things that you did to prepare to start going to Ames. Yeah, Ames was like super close to home. I think it was probably like 10 minutes back then. So like it was close, it was cheap. It was like I had walked to the campus before. So it was like nice. You knew exactly where you were going or like where your classes were. So I think for me, it was an easy decision because like I said, the four-year institutions felt like a lot and just way too big. So there was no way I wanted to do that because I don't think I was like ready for it. Mm -hmm. So I think being in a smaller space at a you know, smaller community college, you just felt right for me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like jumping into like something that I just knew I wasn't ready for. So right. I think, um, yeah, making sure that I was involved throughout high school and all the different things that I did helped with like the resume and the application process. So I felt like that part was pretty easy. Um, but I think it was an easy choice for me. I think I just always knew that it would be Ames and yeah. I love Ames. I'll be a spokesperson person frames any day shout out to Ames <laughs> we'll tag them on the podcast too right, we're gonna Ames. talk we're gonna tag them. <laughs> hey there we'll be right back after a message from our sponsor are you seeking guidance to enhance your trio project's effectiveness and success look no further nosotros education center nec is here to empower your trio project with expert consulting services nec's mission is to promote the effectiveness and impact of trio programs since 2003 nec has specialized in providing professional development and in-service staff trainings allowable cost services for trio projects across the country the team at NEC, with over 60 years of combined TRUE experience, offers customized workshops and seminars for project staff, compliance assessments, external evaluations, working on and submitting APRs, database customization and training, developments of policies and procedures manuals, and project implementation or reorganization services. Additionally, NEC has secured over $774 million in federal funding with a 92% success rate through their live and on-demand proposal workshops, assistance with data collection and review, detailed technical reviews, and comprehensive proposal development services. Join the hundreds of colleges, agencies, and TRIO projects across the country who benefited from NEC's expertise. Nosotros Education Center, your partner in TRIO's project success. Visit their website at nosotrosedu.org. Again, that's nosotrosedu.org. And now, back to the podcast. So how did you learn about TRIO? Uh, at what point in your time with Ames did you come across TRIO? Yeah, so the dream team I was telling you about in high school um I think they're the ones who introduced me because I think they were like hey there's like some program that's kind of like this at Ames and someone introduced me somehow and then that's how I got involved and oh, wow. it was like really great like if I wouldn't have had their support I don't know what I would have done because I felt mm -hmm. like I kind of just went with emotions back then and I was probably too shy to ask for help so this is a PSA if you're too scared or shy to ask for help, just ask for it because then you end up making decisions and spending all this money 
just for the sake of like not asking questions where someone could help you. But they were really helpful. Like they helped me like pick out my classes and make sure I was following the right like routine of things and that I wasn't like taking random classes I didn't need. But they were great. They had a little space that you could go into and like a computer lab that you could use as well. So it was like really nice to know that I had that support on campus because being a first generation college student, yes, my two older sisters went to college, but their experience was different because they went to UNC and I was Mm -hmm. going to Ames. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to know that I had some people in my corner that I could turn to if I really needed them. So Mm -hmm. I appreciated it. That's awesome. So community colleges are typically known for their tight-knit community approach to education. Was that the similar experience that you had with Ames? Yes. And Ames has grown probably like twice in size since I was going to school. Mm-hmm. Like I look at it now and I'm like, I cannot believe this is the same community college that I went to because there's so many buildings and there's just so many students who go there. Like it looks completely different, which good for them. But mm-hmm. when I went there, there was probably only like four buildings, four or five. So Mm -hmm. it was very like tight knit. You had some of the same people in classes. And I liked that there were like quite a few non-traditional students as well, because it's like, I think that's what college looks like to me. It's not these, you know, students who go straight into college and they're all like 18, 17, whatever, however many years old they are. It Mm -hmm. was like, this is what college feels like. You're surrounded by all different age groups and, you know, it's just like different. So I did like Ames for that reason, because it felt like you could turn to anyone and ask them for help and they would help you. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you had that experience at uh, Ames. Uh, What role did TRIO play in your educational journey? Yeah, I think they helped me just get involved or anytime I had a question about something, they would point me in the right direction. I think mostly like um, helping with class registration was the most helpful. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I feel like back then I didn't know like what classes to take or even at that time at Ames, I didn't know what I wanted to get my bachelor's in. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of like going along with emotions, trying to figure it out. And they were able to help me like take different classes to kind of see what I like, see what's out there. And I think I appreciated that, that they were really just helpful and willing to help me with what I wanted to do. And they weren't trying to push or shove anything down my throat. They were just letting me do my thing and they were supportive along the way. That's awesome. Um, any any uh, folks from the TRIO program that you want to recognize uh, before we move on to the next question? Um, I'm the worst person on earth because I forgot <laughs> their names. We will edit this part of the podcast out. Yes, we will. John, production note. Let's edit this out. Uh, so let's move on to the next question. Uh, so what program or majors were you considering at this point? So like early on, I was like, I have no idea because I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going to college anyways. And I, I think at the very, very, very end of Ames is when I decided, oh, I think I really like ethnic studies and I really like psychology and communication Mm -hmm. and those were like the three things that I was kind of leaning into and then I think when I got um, admitted or accepted into CU Boulder I think I had more credits for communication so I ended up going that route I still minored like in ethnic studies yeah and I said no to psychology because I was like I don't want to get a master's but I did end up getting one anyways later but (laughs) I didn't want to go back to school (laughs) I was like no no more school I don't want to do it um, yeah, so yeah, how many semesters were you at Ames? 
I think I was there like three years. Three years. All right. Yeah. Like three years there and then three at Boulder. So I definitely took my time figuring things out. Yeah. So you mentioned that you transferred to CU Boulder after your time at Ames. Uh, did someone talk to you about the possibility of transfer? Yeah. When it was like time to start thinking about where I should, like, I guess when it was like my last semester, like almost last semester at Ames, they were telling me that I should start like considering where I wanted to go. And UNC was always the first option because again, close to home, it's right there. Mm -hmm. don't really have to worry about much so I did I immediately applied and got accepted very early on to UNC and that was the plan and at the very last minute I decided you know I'm gonna apply to CU Boulder just to see what happens and I really didn't think I was gonna get in I had like a decent GPA and I was involved in like the LULAC at Ames and the Associated Students of Ames Community College I was involved in like clubs there too and I was like well let's see what happens and then they did. They accepted me. Oh, so right then on. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do because I already was the whole plan was to go to UNC and then getting accepted at Boulder just changed everything. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, ultimately decided Boulder. Right on. So first of all, that that's an amazing feat and accomplishment. But uh, for many first generation students, transferring to a different college is either something that they don't know about or something that's made up. Uh, what was your transfer experience like? Did did you get a lot of coaching, like some heads up information? Yeah. What, what was that like for you? I think um, I was like confused about how the transfer process works because I was like, I'm all, or like, are my credits going to transfer? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Like there were a lot of questions I had, but that's when I did ask um, the trio staff team, like, I need help. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then they kind of went over everything with me. Like, mm-hmm. this is how your credits transfer. This is what happens if you go here or there. And they kind of like walked me through everything. And then it made sense. Because at right that on. time, I didn't know a lot of people either who had transferred schools. And so like me and some of my friends were like transferring. And we were all kind of just doing it together not really knowing what was going on. But mm-hmm. I think um, it was really the TRIO program that helped me understand the whole process and walked me through everything. So I was grateful that they told me kind of what to expect. Right on. Uh, talk to us about your time in CU Boulder. What was that like for you? Oh, Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it was a great time. I think I learned a lot about myself. Um, a lot about myself. Yep. Um, because Give us some highlights. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was like the first time that I lived out on my own. And I mm-hmm. think I was like, wow, I can make all these decisions this is interesting. So yeah, there's a lot of stories there, but there's like a lot of like people that I met there that I still talk to today. I probably talked to them more than like anyone else. And I'm really grateful for that. Like the lasting relationships and friendships I made there. Boulder's just different. You know, it's completely different. The demographics are different. They're predominantly mm-hmm. white institution. That's a whole other thing. But I think I really enjoyed my time. I worked at the Oh my gosh, I can't think of it right now. But um, I had a position there working like as an office staff and then in the summers, also kind of like an RA position in a way. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of fun. Um, and also I was part of the McNeil program there, which I don't think it's a trio program, but um, it's definitely something that felt that way. Like, like very trio-esque. supportive, like mm-hmm. they'll help you. They meet with you a couple of times a semester or so. 
it was a good time at Boulder. I think it was like just good to learn more about myself and be in a different environment for once. Right on. Uh, what programs or majors were you considering here in Boulder or for ECU Boulder rather? Um, definitely communication and then ethnic studies. And to be completely honest, I ended up going with the communication degree because I was like, I honestly don't know if I get a bachelor's in ethnic studies, like what I'm going to do with that. And I felt like communication was pretty broad in general that I could apply to a couple of different places and kind of like make it work. Um, so yeah, I was considering those two and then ultimately, yeah, got a bachelor's in communication minor in ethnic studies. All right, right on. Uh, did, so you, you mentioned the McNeil program, but did, uh, did CU Boulder also have a trio program? To be honest, I don't think so, because I think if I would have known that, I'm pretty sure the trio program would have told me, and maybe they did, and it's just me, like, not knowing or paying attention, but I do know that the McNeil program felt like trio, and mm-hmm. even if it wasn't, like, maybe they really don't have a trio program there, but it felt like that, and it was really helpful, um, but maybe things have changed and they have one now, but at that time, I want to say no, they didn't. Okay. Uh, who were your mentors while at CU Boulder? Um, let's see. So Teresa Manchego was my supervisor at the time. And I don't know why for the life of me, I cannot think of the program I worked for. But um, she was really great. And she had been there for a long time. So she like knew the ropes and she was just great. Um, Chris Pacheco, not related to me, but I used to lie and tell people that he was my uncle. <laughs> It was a joke, <laughs> but it was really great too. Um, so probably them too are the ones I remember the most. Um, so I, I, I kind of got a, a little detour question and you can answer it if you want, or you don't have to. I feel like okay. I, I keep putting you on the spot with the trio question programs or oh, the, the trio fine. questions. No worries. Um, but do you feel like CU Boulder also provided the same level of support that Ames did? Um, you don't have to answer that question I if you don't want the, to. I was linking. Sorry, I'm like. Hmm. Okay, no, 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 you're good. You're good. The program that I was in, McNeil did. They offered really great support and like had great programs and workshops and things like that. So I think they, it felt like a community with that program. Boulder, no. They're like, I think there's just thousands of students that go there and it's easily to just like easy to fall through the cracks and like. Mm-hmm no one would know. Cause like, and at that time, again, I was like the type of student who wouldn't ask for help. Cause I was like, I don't even know what questions I'm supposed to be asking. And then mm-hmm. I just wouldn't ask anyone. And like, yeah. So, um, the certain programs I was a part of, yes. Cause it felt like community, but Boulder as a whole, I don't think so. There was okay. one thing that I wish they would have done. I wish it would have been more inclusive and, maybe branched out to different students that they didn't necessarily target. Right on. Uh, was there, is there a favorite memory from CU Boulder that you think about or that you're like, you know what, I've, I'm glad I've had that experience. And this is, this is the, my takeaway from there. <laughs> I think uh, meeting my friend Valerie the first day ever was, it was <laughs> okay. so awesome. funny. <laughs> we talk about that sometimes randomly because it was just she and she's one of my like really best friends to this day but it was just like such a random day and it was like this is so weird but it was like fun I think after that day we're like okay we're gonna be friends forever because 
it was just funny, but oh, I think I always refer back to that day. And um, Boulder has like the hill where they have like a lot of businesses and different restaurants and stuff. So I think I walked that with her that day. And that was like one of the first times I had ever done that. So I think I just remember that all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you went from going to a community college, attending a four-year institution. That must have been a great cultural shift for you. What are some differences and common experiences for both? Um, Differences, for sure. Ames felt like more of a tight-knit group. You could turn to anyone for help and support, whereas Boulder felt like, yes, you can do that, but you also have to walk 25 minutes across campus to ask that person because it was just like a huge campus. And like the support was definitely there, but it was just me probably not knowing like who to ask or, you know. So I do appreciate Ames because it felt like you could go anywhere, get the support, whereas Boulder, maybe not so much. But mm-hmm. similarities, um, I think it was just really great to like be in higher ed because I know that sometimes that's just something that's not accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. And although, yes, I was paying for all my own and doing stuff like that, it just felt nice to know that in the future, all of it would pay off somehow, some way. Yeah. But um, I think um, also the lasting relationships and friendships that I made is like something that was similar at both because I still talk to like a lot of people from both schools. So awesome. What type of career were you hoping to follow? Honestly, I have no idea because at that time I had worked in restaurants all throughout like high school and undergrad. So when I was like thinking about jobs afterwards, I had no idea, but I had Mm -hmm. been serving as like a waitress for like four years before that. So then they moved me up to manage when I graduated. So Mm -hmm. by the time I had graduated, I already had that job. So I wasn't really thinking. I was Mm -hmm. just like, okay, cool. Like I'll get moved up. I'll manage, do this for a bit, get the experience and then go somewhere else. I think I was trying to be more of like in the customer service realm. Mm -hmm. But then I quickly realized that maybe that's not what I want to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, so probably customer service back then. So as you neared graduation, were you preparing or and, and as you kind of alluded to, were you thinking about uh, a post-college life? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> back then I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to graduate, get a good job, work there for a couple of years, get a nice car, get a house, get married, have children. And that's definitely not my life today. <laughs> Vastly different. <laughs> you know, it's almost completely different. Um, but I think that's maybe it was also like weird societal pressure that that's, mm, what I was like, that's yeah. the normal thing to do. You go to school, you graduate from high school, you go to college, graduate, you meet someone, you get married, you have a good job, you do this and you do that. And I was like, but that's not really what it's like. So I think back then... Yeah my idea of what I wanted was just like completely different. And then I think reality set in. Yeah. So then talk to us about that moment you graduated from CU Boulder. What was that moment like for you? And what were you thinking about? I was really happy because I really liked Boulder and my parents weren't so happy about me going to Boulder, to be honest. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to stay close and go to UNC. So they were kind of, I think, upset at first to know that I was kind of like leaving because my other sisters had not done that. So I would have been the first one to be doing that. Right. So um, I think it felt good because then I knew like this is something that I wanted and I accomplished and did for me and I did it. And I just felt really happy because I 
did something that I wanted for once. And I could have went to UNC and like my parents would have been okay and stuff like that. But um, I think it was like, finally, I did something that I wanted and it felt really great to graduate because I never wanted to go to school again. <laughs> and I was like, so- I'm done. <laughs> right so at this moment you're graduated what were you thinking of like okay time to look for a new job but as you alluded to earlier uh, it seemed it seemed like you just wanted to get promoted get that manager was there was there something else calling to you so at that time not really because they had asked me like do you want to move up to this position and like the number like the salary number they had given me and stuff sounded great so I was like yeah sure like I'll do that and in my head I was like I'll do this for like a year or something, get some management experience and then just apply a couple other places. So that was really just like the plan all along. So I guess I wasn't really thinking too much about like after that, I think I was just happy to do that for that moment. Right. So how did you end up getting into the master's program? Yeah. So I really liked working with students. I knew that. And then um, I started like I did a couple of customer service jobs, like working at a call center. And that mm-hmm. immediately told me, nope, like customer service, oh. that, like realm is not for you. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm never doing that again. So then I started applying for like higher ed jobs and a mm-hmm. lot of them. And I did get one. I worked for an honors program and I was mm-hmm. an admissions officer. So that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I wanted to actually work at a university because that one was more like of a remote job. Yeah. Um, and then when I would apply, it would always say like preferred masters and they would always say no to me. And I was like, great, I'm going to keep oh. hearing no unless like maybe I go get one. So mm-hmm. I randomly called UNC one day and was like, what master's programs do you have? This is what I'm looking for. And whoever was on the phone was like very sweet and nice. And they like helped me narrow it down. Mm-hmm. And then I reached out to those programs and said, I'm interested and then narrowed it down even further. And then that's how I did it. I think when I applied, it was like in like March or April. So it was already way past like the application deadline for that year. Um, So I knew pretty late, but that's what I did. I think I just kept hearing no. So that like motivated me to go and look into it. So at that point, you decided more college is the way to go. Um, Ultimately, what program did you enter? And uh, were you also working while you were working on your master's? Yeah, so um, I ended up applying for the higher education and student affairs leadership master's at UNC, University of Northern Colorado. And when I told you that I applied kind of late, I did. Mm-hmm. And so then when they told me I was accepted, it was also late. Like it was like oh, wow. June or July. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no <clears throat> way I'm going to have enough money to like start school in August. So I actually deferred a year. So I deferred a year, still had my spot, which I don't know if a lot of people know that you can do that. Sometimes you don't have to say yes right away and start. You can defer a year, save mm-hmm. up some money, do whatever, and then go. That's what I did. Good so advice there. In between, I just worked like a couple jobs. I had a full-time job and then I applied for graduate assistant positions for the next year so that that could help me pay for it financially. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, sure enough, I got one at um, the honors program at UNC. So then I was able to like stop working full-time and then be a full-time student, work at the honors program as a graduate assistant, and then kind of do it that way. So I didn't have like any other type of job 
besides the graduate assistant position. Wow. So the graduate assistant position, and then when you started your master's, that must have kept you really busy or kept you in a tight timeline. How did you manage your time? Yeah, I think I was working like 16, 20 hours at the honors program a week, and then I had my classes. Um, It wasn't like terribly bad because the graduate assistant position was really flexible with hours. And then um, some of my classes were night classes. They would be from like five to eight. So I could work all day at the office, then go to school five to eight. And it was like fine. Um, But I think it was a really good balance of like working a couple hours a day, then going to school. So it was kind of nice to know that I wasn't working like 40 hours a week. Cause I know some Mm -hmm. people do that, you know, they do Mm -hmm. go to school full time and work full time, which props to them because I probably could never do that, but, (laughs) but it was nice to have like not so much work. And then it was like half work and half school. That's awesome. Uh, Talk to us about graduating again, this time with a master's. What was that like for you? Oh my goodness. I never had a graduation because that never had a graduation. Happened. Oh yeah, and that's right. Like, no. And I think the whole time, like in that program, I just kept thinking graduation day, like that's going to be the day it's going to all be worth it. Like that's mm-hmm. what we're working for. And then sure enough, COVID happens in March and then we Dang. didn't have a graduation. So my family did have a little like party for me. So that was nice. That's good but I never walked across the stage. Maybe I should just Dang. do that randomly in my living room one day and pretend <laughs> have my own graduation years later. <laughs> We're going to take a moment to celebrate Danielle Pacheco and her graduation. Thank so you. I'm sending a reaction. <laughs> uh, you uh, are amazing. That's, an, that's inspiring to go from, you know, you graduated high school, got your associates, got your bachelor's and then your master's. That's amazing. You, you went through really a gamut of degrees. Yeah. And it also like was a long gap in between. That's why when I was telling you earlier that sometimes I wish I just like went to school, did it, graduated, went for my master's, graduated because I took my time in undergrad and then I took like a four year break in between undergrad and grad school. And then I went. Mm -hmm. But I think I it wouldn't have worked any other way, I think, Mm because all the different opportunities and everything I don't think like would have come up like for me that way, like even in my master's program, I had to do an internship and I applied to so many internships. And then I got one at Stanford university and that was like my number one choice. And I wanted that one Mm -hmm. and I got it. And I was like, I don't know if like that would have happened if I would have rushed it Mm -hmm. like in the past, like there was just so many things that just like kind of fell in line and fell into place that you just got to trust the process, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, talk to us about your work experience up to this point. Uh, because there's a lot of shifts. You went from waitress to uh, <laughs> uh, to a college advisor or a college uh, admission specialist. You had really a ton of experience. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I think maybe I'm wrong for saying this, but I feel like we live in an age where it's not the same anymore. Like you can't mm. just get one job and work there for like 20 something years and retire because yeah. back in the day you could do that and you could make enough money working mm. 40 hours a week and you could buy everything. You could live comfortably and you could get a retirement and everything at the end of all of that. And now it's like, what is retirement? Like what mm. are all these things? Can you even have that? I don't even know. Is it retirement even possible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. That's a great question that I still don't know. But um, yeah, I think uh, I've gone a lot of different routes. But I think it's because I've come this far and I'm not going to settle. 
Like I'm not going to settle for pennies when I could get a different job that's going to pay me what I'm worth, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think I've gone a lot of different routes. Like, yeah, customer service, realized that it wasn't for me, did admissions officer work. Then I went and got my master's and then worked like as an honors advisor for a bit, then went to CSU and now I'm here at UCLA. So I think it keeps getting better as I go. Um, I still don't even know what I want to do sometimes. I'm like, this is good <laughs> for now, but like, who even knows? I don't know. But um, I think uh, it's been a good road though. I've learned a lot and like, it's just been a great along the way. I think I wouldn't have had it any other way. Right on. So not too long after that, uh, you joined student achievement, the student achievement team at Colorado State University. What role did you have there? Yeah, I was a grant coordinator and like student counselor. And then I also served as a scholarship specialist for a bit for the, I'm forgetting the name, forgive me, but it's like the Veterans Association or program on campus because they were looking for someone to help manage their scholarships. So I did that for like a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But um, I really loved that job. I loved We really loved you being there. I know. It was great. It <laughs> felt like it was just a really great team. And I loved it. And Miel, my supervisor, love her. She's like amazing. And my team was just great. But I think at awesome. that point, I was like, you know, I'm not really tied to anything in Colorado except for mm-hmm. like my family. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if now is the time that I want to go see something else and experience something else, I need to do it. So I randomly just applied to jobs to see what would happen mm-hmm. while also knowing that I could get told no and be completely happy at CSU because I loved that job. But then mm-hmm. it worked out and I was like, oh, oh, wow. No, like this is really good <laughs> news. But <laughs> then it like felt real. So I'm like, oh, yeah, no, like this is actually maybe going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it ended up happening. And then drove out here with my dog. So yeah, on drive. <laughs> so, so maybe seeing the beach made it real, maybe feeling the earthquake made it real for you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, it was just like a big transition. I was a little nervous because I'm like, I could go out there and it could like not work. And sure. And what am I going to do? Like I could hate right. it out there because I had only ever been to LA one time before and it was for like two hours. And so, yeah, it worked out. It was good. Awesome. How long were you in the uh, CSU role? About like 14 months. It wasn't very long Mm. because I had graduated with my master's in like May, got the job in June. And then I left the job like in late August. So I remember reading your email. Yeah. Over a year. Yeah. Yeah, but it felt I, longer than a year. I think it, maybe it, did. it was COVID or something, and we Probably. were all remote. That it felt longer. It it did. I, yeah. When when I read your email first, I was like, "No way, she's leaving!" Like <laughs> it felt like we just got you, and then uh, you had sent the email to saying, you know, you were departing uh, to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think student achievement has ver- wonderful people, uh, wonderful people that we got to work with, um, and because they're so. so uh, student-centered and the service for for the focus, uh, it, we have just uh, student achievement had stellar employees, and you definitely being one of them. Uh, but you decided moving on from that role, doing something else. Um, talk to us about that moment that sparked for you that said, you know what, I got to have that change of scenery. I think I had just went through like a couple things, and I was like, you know what, I just got to do it. I think it was like COVID, like 
and all these other things just started making me think like there's so much more than like just staying in Colorado, which is not a bad right. thing. People do it all the time. Right, right. But I was like, but I know that that's not what I want to do. And so I think I just told myself, like, now is the time to do it. Because if I yeah. don't do it now, then maybe something else happens. And then I end up staying like longer. So I don't know really what like changed in me. Maybe it was just like, I don't honestly know. That's a great question. <laughs> I think I just finally was like, I need to do this now or it's never going to happen. Because I wanted right. to go somewhere else like uh, maybe for grad school, but it worked out with UNC. And I was like, well, that could have been my chance. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, we'll just see what happens. But I'm really glad that I worked out at UCLA. Right on. As we shared earlier in the podcast, you moving to California was quite the shift. Um, how are you adapting now? And uh, yeah, give us some highlights about what you enjoy about California. <laughs> Um, there is so much to see and do like at any given time, you could go anywhere and probably be able to find whatever it is that you're looking for. Like there is just so much going on. Like I follow a couple of like pages on social media and they'll show like all these different restaurants, all these things to do. Mm -hmm. So I have like this huge list of things that I need to do. And I'm just like, how is this even like a thing? Because I think growing (laughs) up in like smaller cities, you could like go and do whatever and like It's fine. But I think here there's just so much, like I was telling you, like there's almost like 4 million people here. So when I first moved, I was like, oh, that's what they mean when they were talking about LA traffic, because it's like, you have all these people trying to go to the same place at once. Like, of course, it's going to be, take you like 60 minutes to go like seven miles. I think Mm -hmm. that's the part that I'll just never get over. It's like gas prices, (laughs) taxes, and like, um, traffic. Those are the things that I hate the most, but I do appreciate that there's just so much to see and do and that I live in a pretty central spot, like I was saying, where you could go 15, 20 minutes one way and you'll get somewhere really cool. What was the most challenging aspect of this move for you? Um, I think maybe just being by myself. Cause I know I said earlier that I know that I'm an introvert. Like I know mm. that, but I was like, but now I'm actually for real going to be alone. And like, how is that going to look? Cause mm. I don't really know, like prior to moving out here, I think I knew like one person mm. and it's like, I don't have family or people out here where I could it, like turn to yeah. if something happens or whatever. So I think, um, that was probably the biggest thing about the transition was like, I'm really on my own. So like, I need to make plans for things. Like if something were to happen, like my family needs to have like certain contacts with people or like, you know, just things that maybe you don't have to think of if you're like around others and family. But I think the transition, yeah, being away from family and just being alone was an interesting thing. Right on. Well, one, I don't envy you in that big move. I think I've already done it myself (laughs) uh, once before moving to Colorado uh, is a wonderful, yeah, it's challenging, but it's not having family here. It, it does get uh, a little bit like lonely, but you feel like you grow up more as a person. I feel like when you're away from home. Yeah. I think it forces you to kind of put yourself out there and like, does. People. cause then yeah. it's like, if you don't, you could be at home and not like do a whole lot, but it, it'll definitely get a little lonely. But I think that's the thing is that it's forced me to actually come out and like do things that I want to do and like be out there doing just random things. So 
I think that's cool about it. Yeah. So California is a beautiful state. There's a lot to do. Is there something in your list that you are absolutely like, I've, you've got to do this while you're living in Los Angeles? Oh my gosh. I think there's a couple of things. So I want to just take a drive to San Francisco because there's a couple of different spots that I want to hit along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I want to do? There's like a lot of different places like Joshua Tree, the Sequoia National Park, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so many things like that. I think being in the city is like great, but then you don't actually get to see like mountains and things. And I think that's one thing that I need to like do more of is go see those types of things because the city will always be there. And it's actually kind of interesting because you could go to like Lake Arrowhead or Big Bear is another place around here and that they have snow, like you can ski and snowboard and stuff, I think over there. Mm -hmm. That's like two, two and a half hours away. And then you can come back and like go to the beach, like all in the same day. And I think that's really interesting. Um, But I think I just need to get out more and visit different cities. Yeah, that's awesome. I I don't know if you have TikTok. If you do, you need to follow uh his his uh username is TK California. And uh-huh. he's just like he he defends California to like his full heart. Uh he dunks on the other states by like roasting uh <laughs> he he roasted Colorado uh, recently and I was like I took kind of like half offense to that, but at the same time I was like but California is better. Um <laughs> uh, but somebody had posted uh something about Michigan and uh he his response was like um uh, first of all, Michigan is miserable. That's this is his words. Michigan is miserable. The only flex y'all have is the Twin Cities, uh, and that's not even a flex. How can you even flex that over Ohio? Like he was just <laughs> roasting every single state. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I do not have TikTok, believe it or not. I okay, like banned myself from getting it because I'll probably just be that Smart person move. who watches videos all day. <laughs> but I do like see. Like some people will send me them so I can see those ones. Yeah. And it's funny, but if I do get it, I will follow that person. I will send I will send you. I will send you a video. <laughs> it is just hilarious. Uh so reflecting on your career, education, and your personal journey, uh, Danielle, any advice you have for trio students that are listening? Um, I think just follow your own path and do what feels right for you. Because society, friends, anyone will tell you this is how you need to do it. This is how much time they'll make you feel like you're failing or something or you're behind because someone else is doing it at a faster rate or better or whatever. But I think it's ultimately if you're doing what you want to do at that time, that's all that matters because we can sit and compare ourselves to like literally anyone and everyone and we're never going to like, you know, beat them or feel better about ourselves. So I think as long as you know that what you're doing makes sense to you then just do that because everything else will fall into place and we're not competing. We're just, you know, all trying to figure it out in our own way and what makes sense for us. And I think, yeah, ask for help when you need it. Um, Take the time that you need for yourself, like self-care and take care of yourself because there's no way that you can be supporting others and being there for them if you're not taking care of yourself. So I think ultimately at the end of the day, you just need to be happy and whatever that means to you, then you just need to do that. Right on. What is one word you would use to describe yourself? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, uh, one word mm-hmm. to describe me. Mm-hmm. I want to say unpredictable. Unpredictable. I like that. It's mm-hmm. very unique. 
Yeah. That's going to be the title of your podcast. This, op- this <laughs> podcast episode, <laughs> the unpredictable Danielle yeah. Pacheco. You never there know you what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any folks out there you would like to recognize uh, for mentorship, for coaching or for anything like that? Yes. First, I want to thank you so much for allowing me to be in this space. Oh, absolutely. During the space. I really appreciate it. And our time working together was always great. I'm sad we didn't work together longer, but who knows? <laughs> maybe in the future. Maybe, maybe, right? <laughs> um, but definitely, I think along the way, um, I think at Ames and the honors program, or no, sorry, Ames, I'm forgetting everyone's names because I was like 50 years ago. Just kidding. <laughs> it was a while ago. <laughs> Not even 50 years ago, though. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Feels like 60 sometimes. Just kidding. But um, definitely at UNC, Margaret and Lori, they work in the honors program. They were great. And Sarah, she was my coworker. I love her. And Adam, too. And then at CU Boulder, yeah, Teresa, like I was saying, and oh, Professor Aldama, and I'm like forgetting everyone's names. I'm the worst person, but just probably anyone that I worked with at Boulder was great because they were like really supportive. And Professor Basio loved her. Um, and then I don't know. I think yeah, Mr. Eckern from like high school. There's a lot of people. Just anyone yeah. and everyone who ever helped me. Like shout out to them because they're wonderful and great. Wonderful. Uh, what advice do you have for trio professionals that are listening? Um, I think that you should just be the best version of yourself that you can each day. And if you're better than the person that you were yesterday, there's only like good things to come. And sometimes there's going to be setbacks, you know, and things that we can't expect or that are just going to come out of nowhere. But I think as long as you're trying to be a better person each day, mm-hmm. there's no like wrong in that, like you're only going to be like the best version moving forward. Cause sometimes I do that. I'm like, wow, I made this decision. And like, this is the effect or like consequence that I'm having about this. But then I'm like, but if I'm better tomorrow, then you just got to keep it moving. And like, things are going to come up, things are going to happen. But as long as you're like trying to be the best version of you, then you have to do that. Absolutely. What's something that you are listening to, watching, or reading that you would recommend to the audience? I'm currently watching um, the Netflix series, You. And Mm -hmm. that one is interesting. I just finished season two, so I'm curious to see how season three is going to be. And I finished Yellowstone recently. Mm. I think that one's on Peacock. That one was cool. That one was interesting. Um, Honestly, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. If there was any like reality TV show that I could be on, it would be RuPaul's Drag Race as a judge for like a day. Right on. So fun. Right on. Um, and I think that's it. Aside from Forensic Files, Dateline, and all the other things that I watch. Right on. Uh, as we wrap up this podcast, Danielle, I just want to say how much fun this was uh, to get to catch up with you, to talk to you, and hear your trio story. And above all, recognize all the hard work you put in to get it to this point. So kudos to you. Congratulations on everything that you've been doing. Uh, yeah. So we do have a tradition of sorts at the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Uh, we hope to get you back on as a guest where we have the guest sign off. Uh, care to do the honors? Hi, this is Danielle Pacheco, and I'm a trio alum of Ames Community College. 
graduate of Ames, C. Boulder, and University of Northern Colorado. And I'm so happy to be here sharing the space with you all and Trio Works. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a Trio program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk Trio. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk Trio. We want to get your story to the public. That was our guest, Daniel Pacheco from Ames Community College Trio Student Support Services Program. Danielle, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your trio story. Remember, if you would like to be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast or know a staff, advocate, or participant or alumni, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again, it's L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Vialpando, Rosario Riley, Dr. Ryan Barone, Dr. Jamie Motley, Felicia Rivera, Angelica Valdez, Jaded Electronics, Nosotros Education Center, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. I'd like to take a moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, Roderick Chambers, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Susan Cramp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, audio engineer, music producer and composer, post-production editor. Amelia Castañeda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This podcast was recorded January 27th, 2023. Remember to always exercise your right to vote. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.